picture this. You're on your way to work, thinking about everything that you need to accomplish that day. Work-wise, you're juggling several projects. You have a phone call with a potential client at 9, and a lunch meeting at 11.30. And at the end of the workday, you intend on having a nice presentation for your boss and six other coworkers. As you get to your desk, your boss comes up and says, hey, I have to go out on a plane to Boston, and so we need to push this meeting earlier. Um, can you meet at like 9.30? Suddenly your mind scrambles. You felt pretty prepared, but that's when you thought you had hours to be able to really lock in on what you were trying to do and say. Now not only do you not have as much time to really present and practice, but you've got to reschedule your phone call and possibly your lunch meeting. The pressure is on. What do you do next? Feelings of stress and pressure, I imagine, are fairly common to the human experience. There are so many factors that can lead us to feel a chaotic sense of urgency. And just the other day, my wife Hope and I were running a little bit late and rushing out the door. She needed to get me to school and her, she needed to go off to work. We get down to the car, she turns the key, and after a ding, nothing is on. After a few more attempts, it is very clear that this car is going nowhere. And why is it that the car never has problems when you really don't have to be at where you're trying to get to? It's always when you got to be there right now and you don't have the time to really be able to make other arrangements. You feel the fullness of the pressure. And it isn't the car breaking down, it's the power going out while you're asleep and you miss your alarm. Or it's golf ball-sized hail that puts holes in the roof. Or it's having no signal when you're lost and you need a GPS or any other slew of events that happen that make you feel like the whole world is against you. And the pressure you feel is so intense. And it's not only random chaotic events that cause you to feel unwanted pressure in your life. All too often, we do not do a good job of setting ourselves up for success. And a culture that often measures a man or a woman by how busy he or she is it's really tempting to take on too much and really pack ourselves in just to gain some favor, some standing with others. So we agree to take on those extra projects at work, and we help out a friend, and we volunteer at church, and we do the bills, and we do the cooking, and the cleaning, and we do the exercise, and the list just goes on and on. We create so much pressure for ourselves by taking on more than we can realistically accomplish with our limited resources of time, energy, and finances. And as if that fact was not enough, we get lost in being so conscientious of our hopes and our desires and our fears that when pressure is applied, all we can think about is, what happens if we fail? If I can't solve this problem, I'm going to get fired. Or... I won't have the house that I want, or people won't respect me, or any of the other horrors that we imagine for ourselves. We multiply the pressure that we feel and become our own worst enemy. On top of all that pressure already mentioned, and there's also interacting with other people. I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine was having a party after the homecoming dance. He had invited both guys and girls, but it was a sleepover party. Now, my parents weren't too keen on this issue, but they were willing to let me go out as late as 3 a.m. So I knew my dad would be coming to get me. 
I get to the party, and I go downstairs, and almost everyone is drinking beer. Well, now the pressure is on. I know even before I'm offered anything what the expectation is. Do I look cool? But by doing so, also break the law? And also disregard my parents' desires for me? I knew that I needed to make a decision. When asked to make such a decision, how do you react? How do we often respond to these pressures? More often than not, when a pressure is on, we feel our stress levels rising, and we find ourselves at a crossroads with two paths shining brightly. The first path is the path of fight. We let our anger rage in response to the car breaking down and our overcommitments. We might even lash out at other people who are not the cause of our pressure. Or when people maliciously cause us pressure, we can think of nothing else but to get back at them. We fight and we rage until the pressure is gone, often not caring about the new issues that arose from our response. The other path is the path of flight. We disengage from friends that caused us pressure. We call in sick to work or to school, even though we aren't. And we binge watch a TV show to take our mind away from the pressure that we're feeling, even though the issues are never truly resolved that way. In this world, we face so many pressures, and all too often, our responses cause more damage than resolution. Now, Jesus was no stranger to feeling pressure. He was often around many people, all looking for something from him. Heal us, Jesus, they would ask. Or teach us, Jesus. Feed us, Jesus. Always with the pressure to provide. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time, the pressure only continued to rise. Jesus knew that the moment of his death was imminent, and yet still the crowds continued to come with him with their needs. And on top of that, some religious leaders came to maliciously attack him. We read in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him with his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Now, I don't know about you, but at that moment, I picture a shady car dealer in my mind. The kind with the slick back hair and the fancy suits. The moment you walk into the showroom, he's locked eyes on you, and he's made a beeline right for you. He says, I can tell that you are an intelligent individual, so I'm not going to waste your time with these Class B cars over here because you know true value when you see it. So we're going to go straight to the luxury SUV with the four-wheel drive, 10-cylinder engine, and seats that massage you while you drive. So after all that smooth talk, the religious leaders go on to say, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now Jesus is at a crossroads with seemingly two options, yes or no. This exchange is taking place in the temple, so most certainly there was a whole crowd of people who were there listening in anticipation to Jesus' response. The imperial tax is basically a tax for being part of the Roman Empire, which the Jews did not want to be a part of in the first place. 
The Jewish people would much rather be their own nation, be able to serve their own God in their own way. So if Jesus says, yes, you should pay the tax to Caesar, he will most certainly lose standing with the people. But if he says, no, it's not right for the Jews to pay this tax because Caesar is posing himself as a god and we believe in the true god, then he risks being put into prison or even worse, being put to death. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Now later that same day, a different group of religious leaders come to him and they try to attack him with an argument. They give him some hypothetical scenario and expect that he will look like a fool trying to cater to their needs, trying to cater to their demands and what they're asking of him. But he gives an amazing response. However, his reward for this amazing response is then have the Pharisees come back and say, Jesus, teacher, tell us which commandment of the law is the greatest. Now, this is the third time that same day that Jesus, in front of crowds of people, in front of all his disciples, is attacked by religious leaders who mean to harm him. How does he keep his cool in moments like this? How does he not fight against them or run away from everything when the intense pressure is on? Jesus responded with neither a fight nor a flight response, but rather he responded in faith. This faith was a trust in the relationship he had with God the Father. This relationship meant that God, the creator of all things, loved and provided for the needs of Jesus. He knew that he did not need to fight against the pressures that he faced because he trusted that God provided for all his needs. He knew that he did not need to fly away from a tough scenario because he believed that God was with him. And these assurances helped Jesus to keep his cool and to act appropriately with addressing the issue whenever he faced them. Now, we too, as well, have a relationship with God. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have become children of God. As St. Paul says in his letter to the church in Galatia, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Not a day will go by that you will be completely pressure-free. We receive pressure from far too many sources from random occurrences, from other people, and all too often from ourselves. But we know that we have a God 
who is greater than any circumstance. A God that invites us to call upon him when we face pressure. A God that has promised to provide for our needs and be with us. We do not need to live as the world lives in a fight-and-flight mentality when the pressure is on. Instead, we can respond in faith, believing that we are children of God and receive all the benefits of that relationship. We pray. Abba, Father, I thank you so much for sending your Son that we too might be your children. I thank you that we can call upon you when we are in need and when we feel pressure. I thank you that you grant us wisdom and peace in those times of pressure. And Lord, I just pray that when we are faced with these, these times where our stress levels rise, we pray that you would touch our hearts and that we would turn to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.